Hi, I'm Mike Morse. You're watching or listening to Open Mic. Welcome to the show. I'm drinking out of my fancy uh, styrofoam cup today. That's all we uh, had at the office. Thanks for being here. We are back in our offices, back in our studio. Did you know that Michigan abolished the death penalty a long time ago, but we have one person sitting on death row in Michigan? And as we were researching that case, we came across Victoria Rusk, who wrote a book called The Handbook for Mitigation. She helps lawyers help put their clients sitting on death row and other matters in the best light so the judges get to know the person, so the judges can sentence them appropriately. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Uh, Victoria's in Houston, Texas, and she is working and has worked on several multiple capital murder cases, mostly when the defendant was charged with a death penalty. And I thought, I love finding about things that people helping other people, especially death row, criminal defendants, didn't know this was a job, didn't th didn't know this was something people do. So I wanted to hear from Victoria herself. You never know who you're going to see. Be one guy one-on-one -on -one my whole career. What you're going to hear. You got a lot of desperate people in the city. Or what they've got to say. When you can take people inside of a crime. That's what you're going to hear on my podcast, Open Mic. Find it where you find your podcasts. Hello there. Hello. How Hello. are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are things in Houston, Texas today? Warm, really warm, sunny, beautiful. Okay. So look, you heard the intro. Um, you're a mitigation specialist. Tell me and my listeners what the heck a mitigation specialist is. Okay. So a mitigation specialist is a person who is a part of the defense team. Um, in capital murder cases specifically, which I know that you're interested in, the client is you know, appointed, most of the time they have appointed, um, you know, counsel, but there are two, two attorneys, a mitigation specialist and an investigator. And the mitigation specialist job is to understand the person. The investigator is going to investigate the crime, the who, what, when, where, and the how. They're going to go back behind the police and see what they did or didn't do and take that investigation a bit further but the mitigation specialist job is to learn about this person as a person and how or why they got put into this position. So I say mitigation is like the real why behind the crime. So you can be like, why did this happen? How could this person, you know, be accused of or even be convicted of killing their whole family? What are the whys that go that we unpack that a bit more? So that's fascinating. So the now these are you're brought in after the conviction, usually? There are mitigation specialists that do habeas work, but I don't. I do pre-trial oh. um, pre investigations. Now, I have one client that's on Texas death row right now, and we won the writ, and we're about to have a resentencing. So I could have my first, could, would, will have my first client get off death row in the near future. Wow. Yeah. Be positive. I got it. So, so it's not just death row, but it's anybody facing a serious... Uh, criminal trial, and you are kind of humanizing uh, for the lawyers who oftentimes don't have the time or opportunity to get to to get to know the person better. And you put them right. in the best light. You explain to the lawyers so they can argue the best they can for the client. Right. right I think exactly. I I think that's really fascinating. I mean, I think that uh, 
feels like it almost should be something that every criminal defendant should have at their, you know, in their arsenal of tools. Yeah. And that's why I wrote the book, The Handbook for Mitigation. I wrote it in, you know, eighth grade English, basic English, so that our clients can understand what mitigation is. There's been so many times throughout my career that I've gone out into the field to interview people and they don't know who I am or don't know what a mitigation specialist is or does. And they think that we're a cop. They don't know to trust us. They just really don't know our role. And so it's important once they do, and then other people can, you know, know or be introduced to it. So I'm really trying to put mitigation, um, out there in my own individual entrepreneurial way, um, for my community and for other attorneys, entrepreneurs who are wanting to, um, consider mitigation for some of their really tough cases. It's, it's fascinating. So as I mentioned in my intro, uh, and I didn't know this and, and I'll bet you most people listening and watching this didn't know this, that we have a man named Marvin Gabriel on death row. And mm-hmm. what, you know, what would you have done and what do you do for someone like Mr. Gabriel before trial? How can you help him give us some examples of times when you've been able to help someone facing such serious serious consequences yeah i mean from the very beginning my job is to meet with the client every two weeks um and i am getting to know who they are you know where they're from who their mama is who their daddy is where um, where also where they are from, right? In capital murder cases specifically, we go up to three generations back because how do we um, understand a person if we don't understand, you know, how they were raised and maybe even how their dad was raised and even how their grandpa was raised? So there's a, an extensive amount of research that goes on with records collection and just interviewing a plethora of people. So, I mean, on one you know, I went on, I would say on most of my cases where I got the death penalty waived, I worked over 400 hours as doing wow. mitigation investigation. And the ones that w- the case that I did go to trial on what was last year, um, I worked over a thousand hours on that case and we had a, what's called a death qualified jury. And they gave my client life without parole, which is a win in my field of work. And so, um, but that was a thousand hours of work. So I interviewed not just him, but all his family members and actually built a community around this, this, this case. And so then when we were preparing for trial, everybody was understanding what mitigation was and how they could help the person that they care for. Not everybody I interview gets or goes on the stand. Um, but I'm gathering all mitigation evidence, whether it's pictures, report cards, um, awards, um, you know, and then interviewing people, which those are the real experts in our clients life are the people who actually know them and have seen their, you know, whatever it is, their schizophrenia or their, um, traumatic brain injury or whatever it is. They actually know this person and how they live their life. And they, the key is, to humanizing a person is how does this person love and how do they show love? And if we can showcase that in a trial, it's a done deal. We're going to get the outcome that we want. So give us a, give us a, a real example. Pick one of your cases. You, I mean, it's public record. You don't have to use a person's name, but you know, these are guilty people who are found guilty. Uh, you're trying to save them from being executed. Uh, by by humanizing them, but give us some real world examples because you're you're dealing with 
some yeah. people here who are, who are killing families, who are killing people. How do you give me some real world examples of what you're pointing out to the judge and jury, why this person should not be executed? What, you know, give just, I want to hear well, some examples. Okay. You know, in a mitigation investigation, um, let's think like one, I, you know, I mean, I have, you know, I kind of feel like put on the spot a little bit because I do get really protective about sharing people's life stories and stuff. Despite that, some of this stuff is public record, but not all of it is. I mean, I'm not a testifying expert. Um, the person who um, I find those people who do testify and the experts for them. So I know so much more than what actually really comes out. But I would just say that, um, you know, sometimes people think or they like to talk about, uh, let's see, oh, an example. Give me a second, please, Mike. I want to give you a good one. You take your time. Okay, I got, so I got nowhere to go. Go ahead. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about domestic violence. And if you grow up in a household where your mom and dad are fighting or your mom is being abused by your father big time, getting her ass whipped, you know what I'm saying? And you see your mom bleeding. Your mom puts you and your sisters in the closet whenever they're fighting. What does that do to a human being? So there's plenty of books about childhood trauma and all that. I'm not going to go into that. What I'm going to go into is the mitigation investigation about getting that evidence and bringing it about, right? So the person, uh, my client who shared these stories with me, I then have to create an atmosphere for them, A, to share it, and then for their sisters and their mom to be able to share it. And that takes a lot of time. So creating an atmosphere of um, trust and then and compassion and they share that information when they share it on their own it's the truth and they're they're more than likely going to say it on the stand and then we have all this information i interview people multiple times and then whenever we're figuring out how am i going to put this into a trial or is it going to come up in a negotiation with the plea um, we know what people are going to be able to say on the stand and what they're not going to be able to say on the stand and so specifically like with a mom she's like you know that guy, you know, my husband, he provided for us. He took care of us. But yeah, he did have a drinking problem or whatever. Like we as human beings, we justify bad behavior. And so knowing that, that that's going to be a part of her process when she comes on the stand, we have to make sure that she's able to tell her story the way that she wants to tell the story. So it comes across as authentic and that she's able to say the things that that we too still need her to say. So it's like to the extremity of what was going on in my client's life. And why he might, you know, perceive a threat and or have an anxiety disorder throughout his whole life and never got diagnosed or whatever it is. And so in gathering that information is just one way about going about doing a mitigation investigation, but then organizing it and figuring out what witness is going to say what, because I've interviewed mom several times. I mean, in a death penalty case, spending time with mom just mom can be like 60 hours, you know? And so I'm spending all that time with her because, you know, sometimes the person, whether they're, um, they're not comfortable with it. They never let, nobody's heard their story before. And the miracle I can say that happened, you know, in my trial specifically is whenever my client's mama told me like, Getting on the stand, I thought I was going to be so scared and I was really nervous about what it was, but she was, but I was, so thankful that I did it because that's the first time anybody ever heard me. Mm. That's anybody time anybody ever listened to me. 
And um, so thank God that she was able to take that really scary public speaking like event and turn it into an opportunity for her to heal from what she'd been through a long time. So, you know, we've talked a lot of, uh, on the show here um, how little resources there are for indigent defendants. And you're spending hundreds, if not thousands of hours on an individual case. Who's paying your bills? Oh, that's a good question. I love fighting about money. Um, so the, the real deal is, is that I'm paid by the county. Um, so, cause I'm court appointed in capital murder cases for sure. Wow. And so the thing is, is that we have to utilize the case law that's in this little book. Attorneys use this case law to write motions to get the funding needed for mitigation. And in capital murder cases, it, according to the ABA guidelines, it is mandatory to have a mitigation specialist. And then the definition of mitigation in the ABA guidelines says, you know, what all mitigation could be. So it is endless the amount of hours, honestly, that the attorney can fight for to get a mitigation specialist and to have the funding for it. So in setting up my business personally, though, it's about working with attorneys who are client oriented working with attorneys who um, understand and respect that this is a business and that I don't work for free, and then having to weed out those attorneys, because you're right, there are attorneys and there are so many cases that I've even heard on your show where a person um, didn't get the representation that they needed and how the system is broken and how attorneys have you know, hundreds and hundreds of cases. And to me, that's all coming to an end. If this corona has done anything, it is going to turn the criminal justice system inside out when it comes to humanizing um, people who are working in the system and who are actually caught up or accused of a crime. So I, um, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I didn't know that a mitigation specialist in a capital murder case or any capital case, uh, you know, we're entitled to services like yours. What about in a state like Michigan that doesn't have the death penalty unless you're on federal land? Is there such a thing as a mitigation sentence if somebody's facing life in prison without parole? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is, um, you know, federal case law that supports hiring a mitigation specialist that they can utilize that in, in an argument Um you know, to get the funding that they need in court-appointed cases. And then in private cases, yeah, you can say, look, Mrs. Jones, we are really in a pickle here. You know, your son was going the wrong way. This is his third DUI down a highway and got in an accident. And this is one hell of a manslaughter case, whatever, you know. And so we need somebody that's going to help us be able to present this and understand why is your son, you know, drinking? Is he or an alcoholic? What does that even mean? What are the, let's unpack that. So, I mean, I think, um, in Mr. Gabrion's case that I looked at specifically, um, you know, his, he was tried in 2002 for the, uh, murder of Rachel Timmer, Timmerman. In 2002, that's one year before the ABA guidelines are published. So he might not have gotten a mitigation specialist or he got some kind of piss poor mitigation. I don't know for sure. So I'm not, I don't know oh. this case or anything, but. But what about now before he's executed? Is there, is it too late? 
Well, has he ran through all his appeals? That's one question. If he's still up to have an appeal or he even and he hasn't forfeited those appeals, then, yeah, he could have a mitigation specialist. But what's the Court of Criminal Appeals doing in um, Michigan? You know what I'm saying? Are they conservative? Are they, you know, more liberal? Would they even listen? Who would be the attorney representing them? I mean, after, post-conviction is a lot different um, in doing mitigation investigation because you just have other, you know, honestly, politics that you have to consider and what is going to be convincing or what's going to be moving because we in post convention post conviction it's like the court has to say yeah we made a mistake sorry about that and we're going to yeah. pay all this money for you to get a new trial or a resentencing we will yeah not so easy no it's not you know as you're talking i'm thinking so we we have one case uh, where a client is sitting uh in prison uh, without possibility of parole and if we re uh, if we if we get him an, another trial, um, you know, mitigation, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. So mitigation, if 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 you're if you're arguing that somebody didn't do something, not guilty, um, mitigation, you, you may not want to that may be uh, you may not want to be arguing mitigation. Right. You're, so are you pretty much arguing mitigation? when the person is pretty much either admitting they're guilty or pretty much guilty, for lack of a better way of saying it? 95% of the time, yes. But I would say that having a mitigation specialist or you know somebody with this skill set on your team in all your cases is invaluable just because you want to understand this human being and who they are and how they got into this predicament. So let's just take a a scenario that the person is actually not guilty, not that they could be proven not guilty because I've had clients like that, but they are actually not guilty. I get letters from people in prison who are asking about that. And the real answer is, is like you need one hell of a lawyer and an investigator because you basically have to figure out who the real, you know, perpetrator is or who the real suspect is. And you have to figure out um, and find out your alibi and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then try to convince somebody that they did their job wrong or whatever. But say that I have somebody who comes to me and says, Hey, what can you do mitigation wise? My client is not guilty. We're fighting this case. Um, and I can be like, Hmm, the real question behind the question is why is this person being victimized in this way? Why have they been, where have they been wrongfully accused in their life before? whether it is, you know, something minor or major, right? How does this person attract this energy or this, um, you know, get themselves into this predicament that they would even be accused of a crime? And then maybe I'm not even going to do mitigation on the client. Maybe I'm going to do mitigation on the, the cop, like low key that is, you know, doing their job, you know, all fucked up. Like maybe I'm really going to do mitigation on them and try to figure out like, oh, well, what's going on with this person or this human being that they would do this or that? Or what if it's not the, uh, the, our client who is actually being accused, but it, it's somebody else in the family or in the neighborhood? So how, did, how do these dynamics really like come to be where we can successfully tell this person's story and get the jury on our team? How can we get the jury to be heroes? Yeah. How can we get the DA to be a hero that day? And I can utilize my mitigation skills for that. So it almost is like any case, even a drunk driving case, uh, armed robbery case. 
I mean, you could help you could help humanize the defendant and find out why they're in the situation that they're in. Yeah, I love my job. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's a neat job. You're kind of like a social worker. Yeah, a lot of social workers do have the skill set to um, be a mitigation specialist. My background is in journalism. Um, and so, and how to organize information. I mean, when it comes to thinking about, man, we have all this information. I interviewed 20 people and I looked at all these records. And so I, and then basically the first person who is going to take this information and then try to organize it for some other new person to understand. So I think, okay, they need to know all this stuff, but what do they need to know first and next and in the middle? And then what's going to be the thing at the end? And so unpacking that information in such the way that gives the decision maker, whether jury or judge, that universal need to discover. Okay. So, you know, the the problem we've talked about on this show about mass incarceration and putting too many people in jail, waiting, trial. I mean, how could mitigation help with that problem? Man, I love that question. So there's so many cool things going on to end mass incarceration in our country, like so many beautiful things. Um, And I feel like mitigation is kind of, if we, especially for, you know, the people who are guilty, I mean, let's face it, you know, over 90% of the people who are charged with a crime right now are going to be punished in some way. They're going to be sentenced to prison or they might, um, you know, be on paper. So utilizing mitigation to lessen those sentences, to mitigate a sentence less than the maximum, to there's things happening to putting a spotlight on harsh punishments right now, which I think is really helpful, um, that mitigating Mitigation, mitigating evidence, you know, interviews, people who are actually going to come on and stand up for this person. Like, I know he was accused or he is going to plead guilty to this, that, and the third. And that is not necessarily in character of the person that I know. What I know is this. And we learn about this person in such a way and what everybody else in the community or family is saying that we try to think about the universal theme that will touch the heart of a judge or the heart of a juror to want to have uh, mercy and grace. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Fascinating. I mean, I, I, you know, I was going to ask you, like, what are your recommendations for our clients and others who find them facing criminal charges? And you kind of just answered it, but I'm going to give it to you again as a softball way, just, you know, in general, I mean, besides buying your book and reading your book, which every criminal defense attorney in the country should buy and read, if they can't hire you, right? There it is. Well, how can they get that book, by the way? Um, heartofjustice.org is my business website. Heartofjustice.org, they can get the book. I'm going to put that in my show notes. But let's say there's a somebody facing a trial, a criminal trial. Um, what, what are your recommendations for them if they can't? afford you a court's not going to give money for you what what are your recommendations well i made the book affordable just for that because i can't work all the cases i'm actually kind of tired so i'm like (laughs) you feel like you got a lot of energy i don't know why you're tired (laughs) yeah i'm up on my coffee you know pumpkin spice latte here you know white girls delight so (laughs) i feel like um but somebody that you know, I think beforehand, there's so many trainings out there, right? And the two trainings that I highly recommend are the um, 
Poverty-Informed Training by Dr. Donna Beagle. And then the next best training is going to be the People's Institute for Survival and Beyond to get a person's filter shifted into understanding anti-racism work. So those two trainings are invaluable to criminal defense. And so then when you have your filter shifted, or I even like to say, you know, you get mind fucked because learning how to do anti-racism work will shift your filter in such the way you almost need to go to the training three or four times. But once you have that shifted, then the next thing is to be to get all the records of your clients. So education records, criminal records, mental health records, medical records. So that way you can kind of see what was happening way before this person and this accused crime or crimes. Because what if this person was in a heavy accident? Or what if this person um, is actually intellectually disabled and is a person who is a follower, not necessarily a leader? That might be one of the mitigating circumstances in the actual crime. So records are important, and a paralegal can do that if we want to be real. The mitigation specialist or a mitigation practice would be to um, try to figure out your communication barriers with your client or clients and figuring out not just their family, because that's a biased mitigation witness to a juror, you know, but who are the people outside that don't have a dog in the fight that would be able to confirm certain life patterns of this person. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, this was fascinating, Victoria. And um, I, I, you know, you even gave me some things to think about in my civil practice. Um, you know, doing a little bit of extra homework on every client who's got some tough situations in the tough case. Um, so I learned a lot. I look forward to reading your book, The Handbook for Mitigation by Victoria Rusk. Uh, all sh it, uh, your website will be in our show notes. We'll send you a link of this when it's done. And uh, thanks for being on Open Mic. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for considering me. And keep up the good work. I will. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. All right. Thank you for watching and listening to Open Mic. If you found that interesting, if you know somebody who's facing a criminal problem, if you know a defense attorney, you might want to share this episode because I just learned a few things. Subscribe to our Open Mic YouTube channel, which is somewhere on this page, up or down. I don't know where. Like it, comment. Let us know what other types of stuff you'd like to hear and see on Open Mic. We really appreciate your support. We're coming up on 80 episodes. I don't even know how many we have right now. Rocky, how many do we have? Coming up on 80. That's what I know. I can't believe it. We're getting lots of love. We're well over 2 million downloads and listens. So thank you. Thanks for being a, a loyal listener and watcher. And have a fabulous rest of your day.